<laughs> yeah, I know. But he says, so when was your last job? You're like, uh, oh, I, mm, I, I drove a bus in 2006. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is the Art of Money Saving podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Dominic Walsh, who is an opera singer. I've had a couple of those on this podcast before, and we're going to discuss the arts world and investing. Stay tuned. So for people people um, tuning in for the first time, maybe, tell us a little bit, tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do. Okay, well, my name's Dominic Walsh, and I'm from Australia originally. I grew up in a, uh, oh, outside a little town in, in rural Queensland, about three hours kind of northwest um, of Brisbane, and grew up on a dairy farm, uh, didn't have any music, there was no, we had, you know, there would be people who would play the organ, you know, the odd chord here and there right. at church, at, uh, <laughs> at mass, uh, and you could sing along. You know, it was it was more volume, I think, than um, anything to do with accuracy. So, right. uh, yeah. And then, what do I do? Well, I I call myself a singer now, I suppose. But um, after finishing high school, I didn't really want to go to university. I thought I really don't. I couldn't. I think I applied for a dual degree in theology and arts, which maybe I think because the careers advisor was like, well, you should put something down. I was like, all right, <laughs> let's just pick the first one that That's comes hilarious. up. Arts, theology. Yeah, that'll do, whatever. <laughs> um, and yeah, I worked. So I did, you know, worked in some retail. I was a bus driver for a while, worked at a golf club. And That's amazing. Then, bus driver. What bus driver, job. yeah, one of my hidden skills. Cool. Yes, indeed. I liked... You make a good bus driver, actually. I can kind of see that. Well, I think I did. <laughs> but it was... Absolutely. Do you yeah. know, there was... Um, I don't know if you were in this opera we did at Guildhall, but there was a direct... Uh, what was it? Um, Die Lustige Weiber, I think it was called. Anyway, oh, yeah. And it had a huge chorus in it. And the director picked out a backstory for every single chorister and gave them an occupation or a job. And right. it was so fascinating that actually, like, I felt he did such a good job of pick, picking jobs and putting people to the jobs. Like, like matching them. Did you have to come yeah. up with your own job or was it... No, no, no was... he gave us a job. Wow. So I was a postman and I was like, actually, that kind of makes sense. I could be a postman. <laughs> <laughs> could be, yeah. I mean, I was like you, well, like you're, you'd be a great bus driver. Like, I mean, people. Yeah, it's the so, number of people that have come up to me, Josh, in the streets and said, you know, you, you must be a bus driver, right? And I'm like, <laughs> guilty <laughs> as charged. Yes, indeed, I am a bus driver. No, I, I did that for a while, and then actually, that was the last job. I think that was the last job because I had a bit of a period there where I went, I was at work in a golf club, and I thought I'll try something new. So I went and sold used cars for two months. Terrible, terrible job. Just really? awful. That's oh, a hard job. Oh, um, those musicians, those folks that come in with a variety of skills, life skills, whatever it is, I always think those make the most interesting people on stage. They're so fascinating to watch, and they just bring a variety of of life experience. You know, it's and it is as you say, it's life experience, isn't it? Like you draw on people that you've met or you've worked with or you've encountered. You know, when you travel or you 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 do your jobs and everything. Like I I find. Uh, I went for a walk with a, with a friend the other day and he's a, an accountant for a, oh, an investment firm or something like that. And I was asking kind of about his bosses, like the kind of investment people who sort of all, you know, these people that probably support opera a great deal, but they've just got huge sums of money. And I thought, what what's it yeah. like for these 
for these people at that level? What, what's their day-to-day thing? And I can only surmise that it's stress. You know, they just work as just work and work. And like 15, 16 hours a day, it would be normal. And so, yeah, it's all very well to have all the money in the world. But when, when do they ever get time to spend it? And I just, mm. I find it fascinating to, just to see um, even some other friends that are lawyers and, and account, like office, office workers, you know. And because I've never worked in an office and I think I find it fascinating. It's just a totally different world. It is fascinating. And I mean, for, for me, this confidence coaching thing has been a real insight into yeah. the world of, of people in that corporate sector or people that do, quote unquote, normal jobs. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. It, even in, in the midst of the pandemic, so interesting for me is that there's a lot of resistance to go into anything related to... Uh, that kind of corporate land, anything that takes away that freedom and independence. So, you know, with the the confidence coaching or teaching singing, there's a certain amount of flexibility and independence that you can organize, you can get the students. Yeah. And that's taken away from you, perhaps, if you're, you know, clocking into the office. Yeah. If you, so this is like talking about musicians or singers or, or freelancers who have who are moving away, like moving into, as you say, a normal job. Exactly. Unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Right. I think... Yeah, I was, I was chatting with my mum th- this morning. I've Skyped a wonderful thing. And uh, and I was saying that actually through having those many different jobs, they were always a job. There was never a career. I never thought to myself, um, one thing I did miss out on is that I, I, I wanted to work uh, driving like combine harvesters during a wheat harvest one time because my dad did that <laughs> when he was young. And I came so close. I was so close to, I went out and had a drive out and I thought, this is great. Let's do this. And then it rained and it's, you know, the wheat harvest oh, was, was wrecked. So I'm sure you can get that done on the bucket list. Oh, I think it'll definitely, it's definitely on the list there sometime. I have to, yeah, I have to give it a bash. <laughs> but, um, but they're talking about like moving, particularly in this, in this situation, you know, people, I'm sure, I mean, I've been doing a lot of it, are, you know, considering other pathways and whether it's a job or whether it's whether it's an entire career change. And and the one thing is is that you have to start again, basically. It doesn't matter where you go. It might and it might yeah, yeah. it might be a quick progression afterwards, but you have to start again. And but also I you know, I was saying to mum this morning, it was like this has been I love this job. So why would I do something yeah. else? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's so, a huge sense of identity. Yeah. And this it's so interesting for for me. So starting this finance channel, I started to talk about money. And you start to realize that it's exactly as you said. So there's uh, this movement or community, you could say, called the FIRE movement, Financial Independence Retire Early. And there's a huge emphasis put on uh, work, 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 work as much as you can in the short term so that you can really build up this huge pot of finances invested in the market and live off the returns for the, for the rest of your life but for me it just somehow that doesn't make sense mm. because you're, you're pushing yourself to the limit and also it sounds like not enjoying what you're doing and I, I completely agree with you i love what we do mm. so like why would you want to change it well it's yeah and actually just recently i did this thing for the tete-a-tete festival this little project and it was uh it was um an unpaid project because of covid and because of you know funding restrictions and all this sort of thing everyone who was doing the project was was doing it for you know for for no money like it was a you know 
And what it did, which I wasn't really expecting, but I was chatting with the with the um, the repetiteur who's who's based in um, Madrid in Spain, and we were both kind of we was surprised that this sort of thing happened. But everyone it en- it turned into this incredibly positive and you know inventive space because mm. everyone wanted it to be the best that it could be. That would be a really yeah. I think that would be probably one of the key lessons to sort of take away from it is that. I don't know. One of the things that I've always loved about this is the play, the play aspect. Like even, you know, growing up sort of studying drama and speech and drama. Because, of course, in, actually in Australia, we have, it's probably the terrible pronunciation, but like Ustedfords, you know, oh, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, Welsh. Yeah, yeah. So we, yes, so yeah, the Welsh seemingly, I don't know, is Australia the only other place where you can do it? I don't know. I think, I think you might be right. They are brilliant because yeah. you start, you talk about this confidence coaching and, yeah. you know, you start, I mean, I think I started doing those when I was maybe seven or eight or something like that. And you start off one year, you do like a scripture reading or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 that's but right. That, but that confidence, and I suppose that I know people that did it and, and you know, sort of fell, ch- chose different paths. And I was going to say fell by the wayside then, but of course they just do other things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember thinking that that was, because that confidence, and you talk about people getting up mm-hmm. and speaking in front of, a group. Some people cannot do that. That is their nightmare. And of course, we're just like, yeah, fine. What's what's Second the go? Nature. What's next? Yeah. And I suppose it's practice, isn't it? We've done it. We've done it a lot more. So so many times. Yeah. And for me, as an introvert, generally an introverted person, I work. Well, we work in a very extroverted profession. So mm. it, it's been really fun and interesting for me to to kind of touch in with these other introverted people. And you start to realize then that all of these circumstances, like the Eisteddfod or going to college, those kind of things, they all help you move towards learning to overcome those inhibitions that you you have. And mm. it becomes second nature. It's not something I thought about until a pandemic happens. And you're like, okay, Quite. what are my transferable skills? <laughs> yeah, I know, soft skills. <laughs> Apparently we're loaded with soft skills. Like I was looking at Indeed and it gives you a list of sort of the top 10 or top 20 even soft skills as opposed to your hard right. skills apparently the hard skills you need a mix of both but you basically look at what the soft skills are and it's like teamwork initiative you know taking direction time management all of these things that we we've got all of these things but then it goes Mate, hard i'm skills. self-employed i do it all <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know but he says so when was your last job you're like uh oh i mm, i i drove a bus in 2006 <laughs> it's really hard isn't it because oh, then you're man. like what what on earth am i going to put on there do you, <laughs> yeah, do you put on your last your, your last opera gig and yeah that's a really it's that's a hard one to but i think to i don't know I, hopefully from from people that i've spoken to like friends that are still working or they're furloughed or or um, yeah. working from home i sort of you know we sort of run through this list of of um uh you know soft skills and they're like these are all things that people cry out for and it's probably another thing because we don't know that we don't know that environment that the sort of skills that we have are yeah people crave them like being working well in a team sort of keeping everyone positive and throwing ideas around and and not not particularly caring about what anyone else thinks of you like you know the whole just absolutely yeah 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 yeah. sometimes i mean in a customer service position that can make all the difference can it someone that says hey how are you yeah welcome can i help you with anything (gasps) yeah he said can you help me okay yes you can yeah but then then introvert the introvert walking away it's like why was that guy talking to me i thought i didn't do anything i didn't look at him at all (laughs) 
Actually, do you mind helping me with this? Yes, of course, I can help you. Oh, God. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, it makes such a difference within the store. I can remember I was looking for something in particular uh, a couple of months ago in the Holland and Barrett, and I went into two different stores. And the first store didn't have what I wanted, but there was a lovely woman there who greeted mm. me, and she said, how are you, and what are you looking for? Can I help you? So we had a nice little conversation. That was great. Lovely. And then the second store had what I wanted, there were two members of staff talking to each other and, and not interested in me at all. And I came away, even though I found what I wanted, I came away with such like a sour feeling. I was like, oh, I don't want to go back there uh, again. It is. It's like, it's like having a great meal with a, with a terrible dessert. It just puts a shame <laughs> on the whole evening. And suddenly That's you're like, right. oh, the food was so good, <laughs> but the custard, man, why did they? And it's, yeah, it's just, I know. And, and I think that was been, that has been one of the, the things that I've noticed coming from Australia, you know, when I first moved um, to to London, was yeah. that yeah, this idea of, of customer service. And whenever you have to call up, you know, a mobile phone provider or something like that, and the person on the other end couldn't care less if you were there or not. And I suppose it's probably <laughs> their work environment too, because when they hang up the phone, they've probably got another one and another one, yeah, and it just right. goes around and around. Yeah, it, it's it's been an interesting time because I, I completely agree with you in that that sense of play in whatever I do is is super important. Yeah, and is is always it's always going to be important whatever whatever I do. You know whether that's true. Uh, the, the opera world will come back. It'll come back at some point. It will. It and will. Um, just might take a might take a while. Yeah. But <laughs> nevertheless, so juggling music career and financial things can be rather tricky do you have any core principles that are important or something that's helped you since since leaving college the coaching conversation 2024 this podcast is 100 dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area we work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. I think one thing that I learned... um maybe when I was working at some stage was having, I I always like to have a pot of money, like a a savings thing somewhere. So, and usually it will be, maybe I'll do a job or I'll, maybe it's like a bonus or something. It's been a long time since I've had a bonus, but you know, you get a couple of grand and you put it, I can remember doing this back in, it must've been like 2003. So like when I first started working from school. Yeah. Yeah. And but then actually also remember the first time I did the Mikado for Opera Queensland, the the kind of the fee that I got from that, I was in a position where I was I was able to and sometimes we've done this as well, like you find yourself in a position that almost ninety percent of the fee can just go straight into the savings account. And that gives you this mm. little this little pot and I and I think it's a little bit of this you've always got money um there for the emergency for the emergency yeah and Definitely. and i think yeah balance is a tricky thing it's probably also now that i think about it because i had a I had a car accident when i was working and i had to get a loan from the bank for about ten ten thousand dollars 
And right. half of it went to paying my parents for the car and the other half went to mm-hmm. fixing the car up that it needed to be repaired. And then I spent right. the next, what, two years probably paying that off. Um, right. And apart from a mortgage, that's probably the last time I've had a, um, I've had a loan or that kind of thing. So, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, but so... So you, you, you try to kind of avoid loans and debts when, whenever possible, apart from a mortgage, of course. And I think, yeah, and I think because my husband, so we come from very different uh, financial uh, planning, you know, <laughs> sort of background, if you like. So, uh, and I think we've we've often talked about it. You could call them arguments, I suppose, but it's more of a, a, a you know, a, a fiery discussion. And, uh, <laughs> and um, but it's, it's to do with, um, he, I don't know, I suppose quite, well, he would think about money a lot. So he's often mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, how much are in the bank accounts and what you've got to pay for and, and how much, like even a day to day, like how much, how much did I spend at prep? You know, how much was the train travel? How much was this? And mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's because I, yeah, I, I, I can't think like that, I suppose. And every time I try to think in that kind of level of detail, I get, I get quite anxious. So I suppose I definitely, mm. And that's probably why I like to have the pool of money because I think, well, if it costs, yeah, fine. As long as it's coming in faster than it's going out, I'm fine. Oh, no, not faster, not faster. Like, as long as, it's, as there's more coming in than there is going out, going out. Well, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm I okay. mean, the thing about budgeting as well is that everyone has their own way of doing it. And, and mm. it's really important that you realize that that kind of minuscule day-to-day you know the pret sandwich that kind of makes you more anxious and in that case it's not not worth doing it's worth finding something alternative isn't it where you have a bit more freedom and liberty yeah unless you're the unless you're the kind of person that really likes kind of the details and finding the bargain and hunting around that sort of thing as long as dare i say if if you're that kind of person if anyone's that kind of person then don't ask me to go like shopping with you or something like that because i don't have i have neither the time nor the patience to wait for you while you find a 5p reduction in this shirt or whatever i am that person my friend are you josh oh (laughs) goodness me well next time you go shopping i know um, i'll be busy i'm afraid i I won't i won't invite you (laughs) yeah but no i think speaking speaking like finance i think um Probably a few years ago. I think it was actually when we started considering uh, buying a house, and we did we did the shared ownership. So so we bought a fifty percent um, stake in the in the um, you know in the in the property, and it's because sure. um, prices in London are incredibly expensive. Yeah. I mean, and fifty percent in in London is. I mean, it's becoming more common. Twenty five percent shares actually. Exactly. And actually, the, the woman that we bought it from, she'd been here since about 2008, I think. She was the first owner. And she, right. had, she had left it at 25%. But of course, over the, what, 10, must have been 10 or 11 years she was here, because the Crossrail came in, little did she know that at the time, I don't know. But mm-hmm. the investment or the, the, the money that she spent on the house then doubled, the price of the house doubled. Um, right. And then, I mean... The good thing is that it doubled. The bad thing is that she only had a 25% share of that profit. But that was enough to then go on to another shared ownership property, which I didn't know that you could do. Like it actually, you don't have to start shared ownership and then immediately buy a house. You can start 25%. 
And actually, above, okay. I've, yeah, I've I've noticed with with houses above fifty percent, it's it's rare that that you know there's it doesn't seem to be kind of a popular thing to buy. Like if you're gonna probably if That's you could true. afford seventy five percent share in a in a house worth you know five hundred thousand, you could probably buy a hundred percent of something a little bit less. You know. That's right. That's right. So and there's been all of these. I mean, I I think uh, shared ownership in London it's a great way to get on the, the yeah it's ladder, a starting point and, exactly. It's a starting point. But on the other hand, there are a lot of these stories at the moment of folks that are in the shared ownership apartments and because of the cladding uh, that's that's on the apartment, they've not been able to, to sell. So effectively, yeah. they're kind of stuck where they are. New buyers are not able to get the mortgage to, to refinance or to, to buy the property. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's that's the other thing to consider, I guess, isn't it? And it, and it is. And I suppose the only thing to kind of say to that would be, I mean, we were uh, we were incredibly lucky because we put in two offers of, of two different flats at a at a development in Greenwich. And it turned out that that whole development is is covered in the cladding. And that was, a the, yeah, that was like, there were stories in the paper that if a, you know, a person might have a two bed place worth 400,000, it was revalued at 50,000. And in the short term, I mean, the level of, I cannot imagine the level of stress and anxiety and everything like that. But of course you can't, even in that position, you can't cut and run, can you? You have to kind of see it out unless, I don't know, unless you walked away with 50 grand. But yeah. a massive debt. I mean, how would you get out of that? But it, yeah, I think in yeah. the end, they, they came. They did come to an arrangement with either the insurance company or um, the developer. And But again, it just it's kind of tainted now with this, with this image. But I suppose the only thing is like, you know, research, research, research. Especially you're going to buy a house. Research. It's, it's big money. So, yeah, and, you, and you can't... Yeah, you can't rush yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. a lot of the apartment blocks now near near my house, they're, they've all got scaffolding there, cladding's yeah. coming off. And yeah. It's uncertain for people because it sometimes going to, I mean, come at the cost of the residents and that's I maybe mean, costs that people aren't expecting. So yeah, it's, right. uh, like I, as you said, a bit stressful. But on the other hand, you know, it can work out. And it's great to hear that, you know, you you got on the property ladder and you're you're happy where you are. That's that's yeah. really awesome. Yeah. What well, actually no. So where, sorry, where that whole story was going was where they going was that when we first started considering it, we we got this book uh, which was recommended by uh, another singer, uh, Adam Player, the little tenor, and um, he. It's an Aussie book called The Barefoot Investor. Have you come across this? No, no, I haven't heard that. Okay, so the the basic premise is. And bear with me because I've only read portions of the book. My husband did most of the reading and I was like, <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Fine. Whatever. I think in the ideal world, if I would get like, I get my allowance and then I'm, I'm done. I can spend my allowance on whatever I <laughs> you want. Do whatever and you he want can, and, but of course he will, and quite, quite, uh, you know, understandably, we should be, we should be sharing the, the, um, the responsibility of, of, you know, finances as part of the household. You know, you have to. It's it's both of us, so we should, yeah. But share the share the load. Well, I mean, you you. I mean, if it's not something that interests you that much, I mean, you've done your. Sounds like you've done a bit of due diligence. You know, reading part of the book is a pretty I, good start. Yeah, I you know I flicked through and looked at the pictures and yeah, no, it was it was interesting because I think as I say, like I in in summary, sort of like financial position. I definitely did go through a period when I had a regular income. So when I had a, like a full-time job or casual job or something yeah. and you got that paycheck every fortnight, then you would have 
you had something to you could you know if I'm getting I don't know I can't remember what I was going to like $300 a week. I was more than that. But let's say you're getting $300 a week and you know you're going to get that every week. So you can yeah. portion that out. No problem at all. You know, this goes here sure. and that goes here and whatever, done. Sorry, this this book, and back to the point. The book, the, the general concept is that you have your main income stream and he draws it as a tap going into a bucket. Mm. So the main income fills up the bucket, right? And then it's got all these little holes in it that go to separate accounts. So... What you end up with is about maybe five or six different bank accounts, and which sounds a lot, right? I, for a long time, I only had two, I think. And suddenly, mm-hmm. we have, with the different savings accounts, we've probably got 10 now. This is all, all over the place. And, of course, you get the ones that are, you know, no fees and, and this sort of thing. Yeah. And what happens is that through that money, through that income stream, then you portion a, a certain percentage to each one so the kind of the names sort of the accounts kind of stick in my head so the main one is the fire extinguisher account and that is your main account and the concept is to have i think three months maybe six months of of uh your budget of your expenditure mm, yeah. there as a pool so that's Perfect. like six months done and he said that's basically all you need to stop worrying about money because if you know that every day you wake up and you think well, actually, I could not work for the next six months and we'd be okay. And apparently that sort of takes a lot of the pressure off. Um, Absolutely, certainly does. Know. Yeah. So, and then we've got there's things like uh, the daily expense account, which is, you know, you prep, you travel, you, you know, you buy groceries and things like that, just day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. got a splurge account and a splurge is, I think it works out to be 20% of that, that firebucket thing, but you end up with... That's you going out for a meal or, you know, a treat or a new coat or, I don't know, whatever. Everyone loves a splurge. Nothing wrong with a splurge, absolutely. <laughs> and and then the other one is called the Smile Account. And actually, because I don't have access to that one, I don't know what it's for. But a smile <laughs> makes me smile. So, um, but yeah, and then on top of that, we've sort of got investment uh, accounts and we've got a couple of accounts back in Australia, which just basically has money there ticking over we're not using it. it's in australian dollars so it's not not really worth to exchange it um right. and we'll, and of course when we go back to australia we spend australian dollars we're not doing the the conversion rate okay okay so, great because yeah. i remember you you posted something about nutmeg a couple of years ago and at the time i was using nutmeg so for from non-uk uh, listeners nutmeg is like a, a millennial friendly kind of app in which you can in, invest in in index funds really and it's all laid out very kind of simply and it's, it's a great very user-friendly investing platform so tell me a little bit about was that your husband's idea was that your kind of pursual well so that no i i definitely yes i can lay claim to that so in in the book there was a chapter about investing and he lays out some very um succinct arguments and one of the things against investing is is people often say, oh, you know, there's there's going to be a fall or the bubble's going to burst or something like that. Yeah. And he's and he basically does a list of three or four, you know, the the recession of uh, twenty nine, I think nineteen twenty nine, and then like the fall in the eighties, the early nineties in Australia, the the recession we had in Australia, the mm-hmm. um, the GFC in two thousand eight, like every time. And this was this was the kind of you know genius moment, I suppose. But every time that has happened, the stock market has yeah. recovered. 
So yeah. from any and it's recovered and it's exceeded where it was before the crash. Absolutely, but it's it's an important point to say, isn't it? Because for for anyone investing, you know, the, I remember when I first invested in Nutmeg, I put in a certain amount of money, and the next day it went down. I was like, what? Yes. I was like. How dare it go down? I was I was expecting this to make money. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. it was just such it was really interesting emotional response to yeah. to losing money. You don't know how that feels until you experience it. You know, you think with nutmeg, I mean we've yeah, when we started that, it's the kind of thing where you you invest the money and you leave it. And yep. you know, if you're following it this year, you know, in March, there was the big fall which came out of the coronavirus and the you know, it took a massive hit. But yeah. that was six months ago, and it's already recovered from where it was, and now it's going above that. So you have to be able to, yeah, much like the singing, <laughs> much like the singing yeah. career and the highs and lows. Very much so. Yeah, the um, highs and lows. You have to stick through it through thick and thin. Exactly, and, and I think it's eventually, yeah, it, it, it levels out. And you're yeah. you're absolutely right with those with those crashes. I mean, the most recent one before Corona was was the two thousand and eight, right? I was looking the other day at the S&P 500, which is like a, a U.S. index fund. It recovered in two years. Uh, and Corona, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen yet, but there no. has been some sort of a recovery. There you has. Know, it can go down again, of course. But That's true, yeah. It can. So, but, so yeah. interesting. And I, I still find myself, you talk about day trading, you know, people are buying Tesla stock or Zoom or this or that. And you're yes. like, oh, gosh, you know, I want to do that. But yeah. but I don't know anything about it. And I'm like, no, like the plan is invest for the long term. Yeah. And you, you, you go through the ups and you go through the downs. Yeah. And hopefully by the end of it, you come out and you're like, OK, that was that was worth it. And Josh, you say the magic word there, Tesla, because I am I am a Tesla fan. And I've read, you know, Elon Musk, Elon Musk's uh, book. Um, he's right. eccentric. I, you cannot deny that. <laughs> and he's said some things that are awful. And you think, obviously, the part of his brain dedicated to speech is is proportionally minute compared with the part of his brain that is dedicated to brilliant ideas and forward thinking and all this sort of thing. <laughs> so, but Tesla shares, that was one of the things that I would check on a daily basis. And I could... I was so close and it, what put me off was actually in order to buy American shares, you have to have uh, some sort of like tax number or you have to have some sort of permission, like a license to buy uh, American stocks and you have to go through uh, a broker in the UK. Anyway, there's all this little paperwork as opposed to Nutmeg, which Nutmeg or any of those fintech apps, they, they don't really have any of that. You kind of give them... Basically, you give them sure. your money and they're like, no, we'll take care of that. But we'll take a bigger sure. slice, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so I can remember, <laughs> I can remember Tesla when it jumped down before it had the, the share split, which was because the shares yes. were up at 1800 US, I think. And then they split them into five. And I was looking at those shares at, at 300 US. Mm. And this was, this would have been... This is ludicrous, but this would have been October of last year. And since Ooh. then, like since then, the you know, you can look, you go at Google Tesla shares, you can you can see that at that stage, yeah, three hundred US. 
And they jumped up to 1800 to the fact that they were so expensive that they had to do the share split and they had to divide. So now it's back down to 250. No, actually, it might even be 400. But I don't know. I don't know how it works. Uh, I know there's a lot of short trading and all the sort of thing that goes on. Yeah, but... I mean, I mean, if you know, you know. But uh, I, yeah. I'm definitely not intending to hedge my bets. And I, you know, I, Nutmeg's great. I, I've started using Vanguard now. It's a similar kind of thing, just slightly yeah. smaller fees. And, you know, the idea is you just, a lot of it's done for you. It's a global diversified portfolio. And, yeah, if, if Tesla goes up, Tesla goes down, it's fairly minute proportion of what you invest. So. Yeah. You get some of the gains, but if also if it goes down, then that that's okay too. Yeah. But man, it's good. It's really good to talk about investing with another singer because there's very few singers that I know that who do invest. And I must say, about ninety percent of those, very interestingly, are all tenors. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> is that right? Okay. I don't know why that is. Oh, yeah, it's not weird. Head in head in the clouds, maybe with the vocal cords. I don't know, but. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we have a a higher appetite for risk. I don't maybe, know. We'll yeah. <laughs> maybe that's. Do you know what? That is probably exactly what it is. And we think, yeah, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's. I, I think, mean, there's not there's not many folks I know, but it's pretty yeah. much on two hands now. But yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I think I, I think uh, I was listening to another podcast that you did, and and you were talking about um, uh, you know, compound interest, and I think that's where I started because I, when I had um. The interest rate that you get on accounts in Australia, when I was sort of had my you know pot of money over there, which of course most of that went to the deposit on the house. Um, yeah, the interest rate was about five point two five percent or something like that, which you know was not great, but it was like you know um, savings accounts. I think in the UK now, it's, is it one percent? Maybe one one point. Yeah, or five? or even less. Yeah, less. I mean, so they're, they're cutting them now. So yeah, which which means like that's where the stock market can give you better returns. They don't have to be huge. Like you can talk about the difference between one percent and five percent, or you know, I think I remember reading somewhere that anything that's more than about a ten percent return is starting to be a little bit risky. Like you always, and then of course you hear stories about people that have got oh I'm getting a you know fifty percent return. You're like okay yeah well all right good luck with that. And if you get it, fantastic. But if you don't, that's that's money down the toilet. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think your what what nutmeg was great for me is it it was a, a stepping stone into kind of experiencing the the investors' world to yeah. experience. You know, maybe that led you to read. No, you read the book first and then invested, which is probably the right way to do it. So I'm going to wrap up the podcast here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate the conversation with, with Dominic. And uh, as you can see, he's got a great personality for the stage and for being a podcast guest as well. So. Hope you appreciated the episode. Do make sure that you come back listening to future episodes. And if you do enjoy the podcast, why not share it with a friend? That would be great. Look forward to seeing you next time. Ciao.